Hello, and welcome to the sixth edition of the ARC Audiobook Club. Today we're talking about French philosopher Bataille's Story of the Eye that came out in 1928, but wasn't translated into English until 51 years later in 1979. And now I'm going to quote from the Paris Review. Story of the Eye is a dirty book by an unhappy Frenchman. It chronicles the amatory hijinks of a nameless but extremely open-minded narrator, his girlfriend Simone, an English voyeur named Sir Edmund, and Marcel, a suicidal, mentally ill 16-year-old. A staggering amount of mirthless sex is had by all, much of it in front of Simone's middle-aged mother who is not amused. Fornication is indulged in alongside of, on top of, and eventually with corpses. Various oblong and or spherical objects are inserted into sundry cavities. A priest is seduced, corrupted, and finally murdered at the moment of orgasm, after which one of his eyeballs is recycled in a manner I blush to recount. Then things proceed to get a bit risky. It's basically horrifying and hilarious, like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy of Deviant Six. Fate to Blood. So today it's Louisa Sommer. Hi. And Telka Pelova. Hello. And Macon Holt. Hi. This book, Star of the Eye, is it porn? Yes. Yes and no. But oh. yeah, leaning towards yes. I mean, unless we have a very limited definition of what porn is then it is definitely porn. But then it, what's distinct, what makes porn distinct from erotica? I mean, it's usually a class thing more than anything else. Sure. Isn't porn a more distinct version of erotica? A more explicit form of It usually depends erotica? on how much you pay for it. <laughs> and like, also maybe there is a question of quality? Yeah, perhaps. And this is what Susan Sontag talks about in the mm-hmm. essay that accompanies this book, mm-hmm. which I have not finished reading. But she was talking about Basically, she's trying to make the argument that because something is porn does not mean it is necessarily bad, but there is bad porn, and there, as there is bad lit, it's just a category that you can operate within. Um, so I have no problem referring to it as porn in the sense of porn being this sort of excessive, yeah, as an excess, as, a, as, a, as, write, as writing and producing art that is more than most normal um, discourse allows. It's definitely excessive, and it's definitely, yes, porn, I would agree, but it's also more than that. So just saying this is porn would be limiting um, Mm -hmm. the, I don't know. It's not like an exclusive category. No. But talking about excess, because this is a novel of excess as a theme, Mm -hmm. or, yeah, Macon, you've read read some of his his other works. Little bits. Like, I've read little bits. I'm trying to find the time to read his economics book, The Accursed Share, and his whole theory of economics is based on um, the relationship, well, it's political economy, so how societies are structured through economics, and his whole thing hinges upon this notion of excess, and that's where you find cultural definition is um, the way that the excess is expended. And this is his first novel, so this is like, we can see the kind of like, his... um, it's really more of a novella, though. It's very much a short story. I don't. I feel like novels. It's almost Russian in that approach. That thing where it's like not. They ha- they have a a great big tradition for for writing these like halfway between a novel and a, a, and a short story mm. or whatever. But yeah, novella sounds. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I think he, there's a kind of like embryonic modes of lots of his later work. Like you you get that he's and he's already taking it to that level of like of the. Um, overarching cosmic structures that are involved where he has the narrator talking about 
looking at the Milky Way as this stream of semen across the sky. Should we talk about what this book's about? Because we have really jumped into the conceptual end of this. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel really weird when you're saying semen because it's always referred to as sperm in, in the book, isn't it? Do you think this is a purely provocative book or is there an actual story or point to this? I think there is a point in the book. Yeah? Yes. Does it have an intention? Does the author have an intention? Did you feel that? Um, I think he definitely does have an intention and I think he's a great manipulator, which I really, really appreciate um, in this book. I think he's so uncanny and he's so misleading and I think this is what I really, really enjoy because when I read it the first time, I wasn't quite sure like if if you can say such a thing that, oh, I like this book, but I really appreciated it on a second read and found a different things. But I think he definitely has a point. And to me, it's just, um, to me, it's mostly a um, book about religion. Mm. Yes. And um, it's, yes. I can see that. It certainly ties into this um, anti-clericalism of like libertine France. Like the idea that, um, only a couple of hundred years before this, Marquis, the Marquis de Sade was put in prison for writing such things. Mm. And that was because of this. So maybe it's not just religion, but it's also the ideologies of um, of the surface structure and discourse of the society. And this is also the thing that they that um, gets talked about a lot and also why it's fed into later philosophies. It's talking about the limits of, that we put upon um, the bodies and creatures that we are in order to function. And also I think um, it's about um, what happened when you really, really restrict mm. yourself. And like with the Catholic religion, there is lots of restriction. And I think it's what's, um, when, when you just really restrict yourself, like what's the outcome? Like there is this polarity in a book, like in characters, they're so polar to each other. Mm. And they are mm. like, as if these two great um examples of what what's happened when you like yeah. supremely um free and you just do what you want and when you're so restricted that you can't express yourself sexually and you have to lock yourself in a mm. wardrobe the yeah. guilt the yeah. shame yeah that yeah. drives you yeah there's like maybe four there's like four characters really in the book there's the narrator mm-hmm. um simone marcel and uh What's his name? Lord Edward. Lord Edward. And it's Marcel who's the most restricted and also who suffers the most. But is it, it's not a mistake. Mean, we, we're not going to spoil anything by saying that she dies. Yeah. Because of, because of her, because of how the restrictions around her, the social order, the fact that they put her in a sanatorium because she's had some sort of strange awakening that she can't reckon with because she's not allowed to think in these particular ways. I think she's the exact opposite of Simone. Yeah, yeah. Like, in every way, the way she looks, she's so blonde and pale. Mm. Um, and um, almost there is, like, a light around mm. her. And then there is Simone, who is wild, and dark, she has dark yeah. hair and just there's very scene, free. There's a scene where, like, Marcel's in white and uh, and Simone's all in black, and that's very overt signposting which I think is also interesting because I actually regard Simone as the main character of the book there's also a scene where uh, what's her name Um, Marcel can't distinguish she thinks uh, Simone is a dog or a wolf isn't it Yeah. when she's out of the sanatorium and and Simone is like lying in her lap Mm. and she's like 
petting her her black hair mm. and yeah. thinking that that she's she's this wolf-like creature um mm-hmm. and very ferocious uh-huh. um very ferocious wild um animal and i have a weird theory about this actually i think in a weird way i found simon and marcel almost the same character Mm-hmm. almost yes. as as if they are the same person and i really enjoy the way he he plays with this idea or perhaps that's my reading mm-hmm. of the of the book it was my reading too mm. i i don't know if i fully go along with that i i see the i see the point though because there's this clear parallel parallel that they are uh, pol- polarities on a spectrum of um of being able to embrace this kind of awakening or being traumatized by it but i think there's something far more significant about simone's experience and the way that the narrator describes it's almost as if the narrator he they're so he's so um characteristic less basically the main thing i know about him is he gets erections a lot that's not really a character trait whereas simone is like vivid and alive and has desires and wants and has personality that shifts and develops he is just like he is the eye in some way mm-hmm. Yes. And maybe the true voyeur, mm-hmm. and the, because Lord Edmund takes that role of yes. being the voyeur, the follower, but really it seems more like the narrator has that part. Because he watches Edmund. And he watches Simone constantly. Mm. And also the fact is he does not have name. Mm-hmm. He's nameless. Mm. And there are two things that, mm. struck, uh, that struck me is that the place, the town where things happen... Exactly, and the beach where they met. Yes. The ex. It's ex, it's basically nameless. And the narrator is nameless, which is very, very interesting because he's very specific. Everyone else has a name. Mm. Uh, Don Amandino, Lord Edward. The women have named Marcel and Simone, and he is nameless. Mm -hmm. But the ex of, of the town, like the town's name being that letter x is also being that cross where you if you find a, a, a treasure map or something you have to follow you know you follow that line mm. and da, 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 and you have to find that x mm. or in in like religious science they call it axis mundi it's like the point zero of the world like the cross in christianity or the tree yggdrasil in the nordic mythology so do you find simon to be the image of the ideal human being and marcel to be the image of the neurotic citizen <laughs> no 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 they're they're idolizing uh marcel a lot in so she's definitely not just this neurotic she's she's also like the center of of what they're projecting everything to like she is a she becomes this like i don't know if you can call it a blank screen but but she, but she does um she's uh last podcast was about i love dick and i feel that um marcel is kind of the dick of of this mm. story the like she's the one they're writing to or talking the to blank constantly. the blank sheet and and mm. they can't Uh, they're trying to reach her, and they they sometimes can, and they sometimes can't, and and at some points it seems like they they don't even care if if they reach her because they just need her as this mm. like template mm. for something. One of the things that I think is quite interesting is the way the book is dealing with transgression, and basically they, they by fixating on Marcel is they get the joy of of that breaking the taboo, breaking the uh, the restriction, which is this um, like French philosophical concept uh, called jouissance. And 
what's interesting to me is like at time where I think the book, book is most strong and where I think it's most interesting is when they are less concerned with breaking the rule as being in the space past the rule. Yes. But they always end up being so fixated on this rule breaking thing that they end up being disappointed by the consequences of that. Yes. Because they can't control what happens. And so I think that they are fascinated by her purity. But I would I also wouldn't say that uh, Simone is ideal because I don't know if he wants to work in ideal. He's very, it's very much like uh, they're talking about a much more empirical and real body experience thing. So there can't be an ideal, I don't think, in this. Okay. But now, May, can you call Timon the main character of the book? Yeah. But in some way, the characters are symbols, and the symbols become characters. Mm -hmm. Could this be the story of an object more than the story of two young adults? Because I think that's what Olin Batz calls it in that's his essay. certainly what... I mean, there's certainly that reading available, and as much as that works, and it definitely you know it works on that level, I'm less interested by it. I'm interested more in this notion that because also what is interesting is that these characters move in these kind of symbolic ways and they don't really act like people would but at the same time he makes a very distinct effort to use the name of a real bullfighter who was really killed so he is hinting at the reality the potential of of it of this existing within it so i don't think that i can completely collapse them to symbols I think he's total manipulator and as I said I really really like it because one thing you said like he's using the name of a real person and also the second part called the coincidences that's so clever because he wants you to he wants you to feel that he gives you explanation he wants mm -hmm. to insert himself in a story and it's so clever because you can almost read it as a kind of author's you know, postscript, mm. but it is still a part of a book. Mm. It's part of a fiction. Yeah. And that's so brilliant because he manipulates you and into, you know, thinking mm. like uh, he's dwelling on his um, real life. But mm. um, obviously it's just an exaggeration. I I think it's also very clever that the the characters and the symbols all become like f they they're kind of floating in a space and you never know where they belong like I don't think you can ever say like for sure that these people are not people or they're not characters or they're or they are just characters or just symbols. They're like everything, but constantly, constantly changing or constantly being both or mm. constantly being none of, of everything, mm. um, which is also the, the great manipulating um, genius of, of, of Bataille and, and his writing. And what's so, so fascinating about it that, that you, you're trying to relate And you're also trying to understand, and then it dawns on you that maybe you can't understand, maybe you're not supposed to understand, maybe you are supposed to understand, and it just becomes this this like super intense space of of a lot of things bouncing around in your head while you're reading it. That's how at least I I felt about it. It was almost like physical, mm. spatial. His intention for this book is it to fight against cultural norms? Up to some point, I think so. Mm. Um, I think, as I said, it's daddy's two extremities and he's trying to, if he has any um, 
purpose of of like he wants uh, his readers to um take from this book is like each extremity is wrong so basically is like an ode to moderation i maybe? don't i disagree okay with this because like that's the kind of it's very like this sort of greek morality thing that we want mm. to go to a sort of moderate everything in moderation balance that's what you're looking for mm. and i think he's not looking for that but he's also not looking i think he's actually making the case is more that it's let's say he's trying to fight against the social norms as making the case for living without some of them okay He's making he's making a positive case mm-hmm. rather than negative mm-hmm. critique. So he's showing excitement. He's showing a visceral sensation, and that's I think a very effective and what makes it make, makes it much more exciting than say like people who then much later on draw inspiration from him like Brett Easton Ellis who is mm-hmm. just like so obsessed with how he can be critical of the status quo by showing the transgression. He's like he's so obsessed with that moment of rule breaking that he doesn't get any of the joy of after it. Is getting the excitement of after it. I think that is that is also where where the the beauty of this book is is it's in the the excitement. That's what makes it it relevant. Um, that it's so you I've I've always had a hard time describing this book to other people because when you tell them you know oh these people basically have a lot of there's a weird sexual encounters all over the place and weird like situations that become like crazy but it's it's also and 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 in in some way it's like hideous Mm. in some way it's it's the most awful and and like revolting repulsive thing you want to like ah you 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 just want to like distance yourself from from it but also but it's also it also has this this joy and this purity that that shines through so yes i i think excitement is probably like the in in any sense of the word is is super uh keyword for for the book (laughs) yeah okay so about that because seriously the internet is littered with reviews from people hating the story Mm -hmm. did you find it to be that repulsing no Uh, no no i think like you kind of get the gist like this is over the over the top and you can't take it literally like that's just that would just be silly but now you're speaking as academics how was the reading experience like you feel this book like you you put it down you feel yeah you can't look at the eggs (laughs) (laughs) really i I mean like i you feel the intensity Mm. i think more than anything else like i don't think you are you have to be quite prudish to. I don't know. I mean, it is. It is. It is an extreme end. It is hardcore pornography, but at the same time, it's not like. I mean, it, so... maybe the language is very seductive because mm. you're never presented to like this could be wrong. Mm. It's just laid out. As Anainin, for example, has a short mm. story of a grown-up man who is, I think she says, satisfied by two very young girls every day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. And reading it, it never occurred to me that, well, this is actually wrong and punishable mm-hmm. and this man should go to jail. But that's how literature seduces you. And and I also, like, mm-hmm. part of why I was so seduced by Bataille was, like, his... It's in the very beginning and he says, like, the cunt is the most the most beautiful word mm-hmm. for, for the, the female genitalia. And I Which just makes sense. It, it does. It, it does make sense in French. And but like I read it the first time I read it in, in Danish, and yeah. then I read it in, in English. And and I still feel that if if you 
if you appreciate the the beauty or, or I don't know if it's appreciation, but it's like if if you want to think about the beauty of the word cunt, if you want to choose that over anything else, I, I just think that's a that's a, a beautiful um, sensibility. There's something interesting about that because it, there's actually a whole political argument about the use of the word cunt. In a, and it's because the word vagina refers basically as the negative capacity of a sheath. Like, the, the root of that is the sheath for the penis, essentially. And then pussy is like a euphemism. And cunt has this kind of power. It's, it's good. I think it refers back to some sort of productive force. I think the etymology of vagina is the thing that the Romans used to put their uh, sword yeah, yeah, into. Yeah, a sheath, a sword, sword oh, sheath. that's yeah, what yeah. a sheath is. Okay. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, it's, it's the container. Mm. So it's, it's already invert. Yeah, it's defined by the man already in that. There's the same actually word in Slovakian. It's the sheath. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is something really interesting in like in asserting that as the word, even though it's like so taboo. And it's so taboo because I think it has this other powerful um, root, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Coming back to that, the, the thing about the reading experiences, I remember the first time I read Story of the Eye, I was, um, I was at home in, my, in the apartment I, I lived in at the time. And I had heard about it from, from a friend who said like, oh, you should, you should read this. And, and I read it. And... While I was reading it, I felt unsettled. And afterwards, it felt like something had shifted within me. And I couldn't, I couldn't say what it was. So my, the way I processed it was I started crying. And I walked around. I, like, I, I, didn't, I don't remember sitting down a lot. Or, or like, I just remember walking back and forth in, in my, like, between my couch and my anything. Just crying. And after that, I just couldn't get the, the book out of my head. It was probably the most like physical, like bodily reaction I've ever had to reading anything. Mm. And that's why I, I just kept talking. I have been talking about this book constantly for, I don't know, three, four years. I've been like telling everyone like, oh, Bataille, something, something, story of the eye. Oh, you should read that. Oh, that relates to story of the eye in this and this way, because it's a book that just had such a profound um physical impact on me I, I, would, I would be very interested in, in like reading it with like electrodes placed on my body for like a, for science or something that would be <laughs> that would be interesting that's amazing I didn't have that experience at all I remember I got really horny and then I felt really guilty about it so I'm probably myself in this story <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting so basically I think we talked about it with Gio like I um I heard about it before that it's like a pinnacle of erotic literature and I'm a big fan of erotic literature. But I can't see this a book to be a book I'll ever masturbate to. Like no. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I mean I, I just miss the sensuality. I mean I mm. do understand it works for some people, but like no. I only caught the sensuality upon like second time reading it. The mm. first time I was just like, I have just read a book that is very much about sex and very like transgressive pornography, but also that it wasn't, I had the feeling that it wasn't about sex at all. Mm. It was about mm. the, like, it was about life and, and yeah. death and, yeah. and the, the terms of existing as, as a human being mm. and all those, all those feelings just taken to the extreme. But mm. I just felt like I had... I'd read the most profound book about life. Mm. Well, this is, I mean, what you remember also as well, like especially the connection between sex and death is that this has been written in 1928 originally. 
And so it's at a particular point in history where you have the rise of Freudian psychoanalysis that is really illustrating this connection between sex and death. And that's what he's really exploring is this kind of ambiguous space. Like the, um, that wasn't that the, the sensation of after orgasm in, in French has the name, the little death. Chaussance. Mm. Uh, no, like, is also this destructive joy. It's like an irrational um, joy that is, it's not productive. It's a joy found in, also in property, weirdly, but it's orgasm and property joy and also a joy which, with no rational justification. Is it the feeling of doing shots at four o'clock in the morning and you know you're gonna hate it, but it's really, really good? You still do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, can, it can be, yeah. It would be that. It would be, like, it'd be the thing that says, make, I think the moment of Jewish and that was probably like, when you go, yeah, let's get another round. And then the drinking the shots is actually just performative after that. But yes, sex and death, big themes. Is he putting fright to shame? Well, he's, he's like pushing it forward. He's pushing it forward because like he's not... Because Freud was basically saying we have to work out the way to make everyone normal, healthy, and Matthias going, oh, fuck no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a very sick thing to be want to, to want. I mean, actually, I'd like to read this. Um, is normality a, th uh, a sick thing to want? Is that what you? That's saying? what. That's what. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to read this uh, this passage, which I think kind of sums up the entire project of uh, of the book. It's on page forty two, and he says, uh, "This is the narrator speaking in." A, kind of very lucid passage. To others, the universe seems decent because decent people have gelded eyes. That is why they fear lewdness. They are never frightened by the crowing of, the ro of a rooster or when strolling under the starry heaven. In general, people savor the pleasures of the flesh only on the condition that they are insipid. But as of then, no doubt existed for me, I did not care for what is known as the pleasures of the flesh because they really are insipid. I cared only for what is classified as dirty. On the other hand, I was not sa not even satisfied with the usual debauchery because the only thing it dirties is debauchery itself. While in some way or other, anything sublime or perfectly pure is left intact by it. My kind of debauchery soils not only my body and my thoughts, but also anything I may conceive in its course. That is to say, the vast starry universe, which merely serves as a backdrop. And that is a really interesting quote. <laughs> I highlighted the same thing and actually only that passage from the book. Well, it's like it's like a mission statement, I think, um, for this notion that transgression really has to go beyond. It has to not be acceptable in any way. In order to illustrate its points, always take it further. Well, in, in order to um, yeah, live up to its aspirations, I guess. No, the, uh, the, the desire to like, well, it's because he's basically even saying that the notion of sin and the structures that are enforcing that are so tepid. Like the, 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 the line of transgression is so far within, 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 a, within a safe space that actually you have to go even further into that to find anything interesting, to find anything that remotely relates to what the body can do and in, in the universe. And that its connection to everything that exists is, is too important to reduce to structures of power and social organization that we've constructed to control it. But that's what they do. They, they keep going. Mm. And, and, and as it says in the quote, the, the universe just serves as, as a backdrop in some way. They're, they're mm. so, um, they're creating, it, it's like they're creating everything anew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So could one say the morality of the story is that there is no morality? Yes. Or there shouldn't be a morality? Yes. Or it's Nietzsche. Or definitely, yeah, that there is a morality because Marcel is the morality. No, no, it's but there is a morality. There is a morality that they should that, that, that there it is a normative claim to say we should break these rules. <clears throat> yes. And not other ones. Like they they do, you know, they they're not just like they have to run away. They but understand how, that. They How much aware are they that they're breaking the rules? I mean, they know it, but it's not intentional. They're not doing this to break the no. rules. They're doing this because they can't help break the that's, rules. That's they why it's interesting. So in touch with their nature. Mm. But or maybe that they don't care mm. to break the rules. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, secondary yeah. to yeah. them. Like it's not important. It's maybe a matter of convenience because they need to go somewhere else and they need money. And that's when they enroll Lord Edwards. They see mm. him as. Um, enabler but um it's the second nature they don't care that they re- break the rules mm. but also the, that whatever constitutes their nature is by being in this rule-based environment mm. i am so fascinated by the um i don't know what to call them but the the kind of shadow figures that are standing in the background um also like when they're when they're fleeing from something they know that they have to because they've killed someone or they've broken some kind of law but they don't care about it and and the when when Bataille is describing that situation of running away it's just like so we uh we ran away and and Simone put on put on this crazy dress and like was um pretending she was a, a young innocent something something mm. and and they're just like escaping the the situation mm. like it's no big deal and and also I'm I've been giving a lot of thought to to Simone's mother in the beginning of the book and it's just like she's just she's there but she's not there and she's just kind of also like what what is going on with her what's going on with her what's going on with the the running away from situation what's going on with the the crazy um it it seems like they're putting on like crazy disguises and like what's what's up with that and and like what's up with that whole sailing to Spain and then like kind of casually stealing a boat and then burning it with with like some mm. flammable whatever that that they just they just brought it along just because they knew that they needed it and it's it's all all of these things are are so casual exactly because there is no narrator like thinking about this reflecting and we shouldn't have done that or we knew this was wrong mm. and it never really comes into it that they shouldn't do this It's not even as if they're afraid that they'll get caught. It's it's more of a like then we fled because we had to. Exactly, it's the way it's so casually narrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the third page of the book, Simone and the narrator are driving in a car and they kill a cyclist. Yeah. That's never yes. mentioned again. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just super casual. They really enjoy though describing like the the uh, the the destruction of the person's body of the woman's body that she's. That, 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 that weird that, orgasmic aftermath, which is like J.G. Ballard and stuff later on in Crash, where it's just really about the violence of it, but and it's never mentioned again. And it's so interesting. Mm. Like when I read it second time, I didn't pick it up on it first time, and um, then I was like, shit, this was like on the like first second page, <laughs> and it's yeah. quite a big thing. Like they kill this very young pretty girl, her head decapitated, and they just stare there, and it's so interesting because they kind of. They explain it that's almost like she's like a metaphor to the connection they had between each other. Like when they saw it, it was so like overpowering and scary, but yet so powerful. Mm. So they use the dead corpse as a metaphor for their connection. 
they don't understand basic concepts of life and death. It's just, it's just kind of, it's floating. And it's also like when, when Simone, no, Marcel dies and, and Simone doesn't understand it. She's just like, she can't. But I don't think it's that she doesn't, it's not that they don't understand the concepts of life and death, but it's more that they don't accept the authority of it. Yeah. And there's an innocence to everything they do. Mm-hmm. That is like they are like children, mm-hmm. literally like children. Yes. And they are sixteen. Yeah, but they are not that much children. No. No. Well, children. But then that's the thing about children. Children chase sensation in some ways. Like they, as they discover what their bodies can do. But I think when I had reached sixteen, I think I was full of shame by then. Yeah. 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 So this is the, so the, actually the fantasy element of this is not so much what happens, but it's the ability to allow it to happen in some way like to to not be to not be inhibited even though That's in the first sentence point. he is saying that he is always been very scared of anything to do with sex in the first sentence of the book. But that's just the first sentence. Yeah. After that, it yes. just drops. I was so fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. It's one sentence and then boom. <laughs> no more shame. No more no more is like they're they're just like in this weird like they're part children and part adolescents and mm. part super grown up and and they're part in living in this like fictional world and part in this like hyper realistic world it's just everything at once yeah but getting back to the morality because the only point where they become actually hateful mm-hmm. is when they kill the priest and mm. rape him is it anti religious yes. more than anything i think so yes and it's the way they do it and um also the actually the description of like Marcel dying like <clears throat> um hanged in this wardrobe it's just like almost wardrobe representing maybe herself because there's where she it's just yeah it's so religious also they like to illustrate the hypocrisy built into the religion mm-hmm. like that's why it's important that they rape the priest is because they are making it so obvious that this is that for all of his pious devotion restricting his bodily urges his pleasures of the flesh he's still incapable of the heavenly control and he's actually suppressed it all along right because yeah. he really wants this to happen so what's all his devotion and yeah. what's it been worth and his shaming mm. and he's so similar to marcel the way they look, he's blonde mm. like her. Yes. And in a way, there is this connection with Marcel, almost like if they blame him in some way for her killing herself. That's... Or perhaps what he represents, because that's what mm. I think repressed Marcel and made mm. her but kill herself. They do see her, right? Yes. The narrator sees Marcel. Yes, the is- eye, when, when they take out the eye, oh, now I'm spoiling. They're taking out the <laughs> eye of the priest and, and putting it everywhere, like, while they're having intercourse. And then at the end, Simone has it up her cunt, and, and the, the narrator is seeing Marcel's, yes. like, light, milky eye with, like, with sperm and urine trickle, trickling tears, down. yeah. yeah. That's such a, a a frightening. I don't even know if it's a metaphor, but it's a it's image. just a frightening <laughs> image. Yes. Mm. There's also this wonderful um, relationship between the uh, the parts of the body which are for structural social engagement and the parts that are meant to be hidden. 
and meant to be hidden and, and, and not meant not to not exist when you're talking to a person. So when you have that movement of putting the eye into the cunt, you you collapse this space. Like the face is just body, but the face is so meaningful to us. But it's just it's just a set of organs with which we. Yeah, it's functional. Yeah, but we have to privatize and hide the rest of it, which is basically the themes which have been explored by so many philosophers and thinkers that have followed this kind of work. I know that that you have said a lot about um, religion and religious critique, but I also think it's it's more than just religion. I I think the the priest um, at the very end is also representing kind of the authority of life. With with all its structural, uh, the structures and and the like that imposed meaning and and all that, ooh the the what you call it, that ornamental beauty that is mm-hmm. in the churches, but that is also in in life that we're trying to kind of ornament everything with and ki- trying to trying to structure mm-hmm. things with, and and they're just I don't think it's a it's a a meltdown of morality against religion or if it's a, a crusade against religion i feel it's 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 very um there's a lot of of nietzsche i'm feeling a lot of nietzsche yeah um obviously i'm i'm not that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone but there's so much nietzsche but also the the nietzsche in not just the god is dead part but that whole that whole um very very vivid thing and the whole like insisting on on life being uh being something something more there's, um, there's the there's the Nietzschean project of the um revaluation of all values which he didn't really get to finishing but it was that you have to assess everything again and that's what they are engaging in in some way but also like to your point about it's about religion and the cult of life as a as a as a thing also it's the way that religion and social structures in general coming out of the coming out of this have this kind of hypocritical relationship with it like the promise is that once you're dead everything's fine but you're not allowed to kill yourself yes so you have to keep living but the whole point of that is to be dead and until you get there you have to you have to obey uh, obey and and ornament yourself in a certain way and mm. ornament your life and and your the the structure of of everything you do Did you like this book? I love it. Do we do, do you want to say more on that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say like I I love it with that passion of like when I say love, I mean I love it and I I hate it and I have very intense feelings about it and it's just remarkable because it's it's very it's very short and it's very intense and and right on from from the very beginning it's just in your face like I I can't Whenever I've I've told about the book, I have referred it to as like the second chapter starts with from this is the time where Marcel's obsession with cracking eggs with her behind comes from. And he's just like, it's so full on. It's so in your face. I don't think you can be. Um, what's that word? Indifferent to it. You can't be indifferent to it. So you have to either either love it or hate it or have some I don't know, I don't even think that it's a matter of love or hate. I think it's a matter of of a lot of extremes in between those two, which sounds contradictory, but but I I have a very clear idea of what I'm what I'm feeling. But at right least now. a reaction. It's yes, this this very strong reaction and and I I got to say I love it. 
even though it it drove almost drove me insane for uh, a long time, mm. I was obsessed with it. Love is complex, though. Love is complex, and that's yes, that's what he he tells so clearly, and that's the reaction that he 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 gets mm. in the reader. What about you, Telka? Did you like it? <laughs> I think. <laughs> did I you have, have a reaction? I th- I did have a reaction. I think a like is just. Not a word that I would say or use um, just because I don't think it's something to be liked. I thought about it and a week after I finished, I kept still thinking about it. And there were so many interesting things that it illustrated. And when I read it again, I was um, I found it interesting, thought provoking. Um, I didn't love it as in as in maybe the same way that Louisa It, but I would definitely recommend um, to people to read it. It made me feel very strong feelings about life. So I think that um, made, you know, that's its purpose. And I don't think it's something, oh, you like it. It's just so extreme that um, whatever emotion you take from it is it's very important and maybe insightful. Why do you re- reacting to this book, mm. which is a work of fiction, a certain way? Why do you get offended by it? Mm. So uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. And, good. And, and importantly, I think is is I you read it and you feel at times offended, mm. perhaps, but at the same time you also are very aware that he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like not in the way, like, <laughs> not in the way where you would uh, be like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say what I want because I'm so non politically correct. I'm gonna beat all the power. Yeah, ha ha ha. You guys are so weak. But he's going like, no, I'm just really interested by this. I don't. It doesn't really matter what mm. happens. Like you're in it. Yeah, and that, that that's one of the most exciting things to me is this point where it's not even that you dismissively don't care, but that you're more interested in this other space, and that's. And it's that wonderful exercise in writing where the words disappear. And I, I find that really interesting, where I feel like as I read it, it's no longer a semantic experience. I'm not looking for meaning. Mm. I'm, it's, it, the meaning is transferring to sensation. That's, like, that's the thing where like, you're getting horny, is that your body is telling you something else. Mm. But not everyone gets horny asleep in this book, but <laughs> like, you can have that reaction. <laughs> and it's... That is what I think. That's that, that that that's a really nice thing where the aesthetics of how it's put together is seducing you, and you're feeling you're feeling a seduction. So it's not necessarily the words, but it's like the sort of turns of phrase and the expression. They just sort of they take the edges off meaning, and that's really nice. It's really funny because right now we're experiencing like the limits of of this medium. Like this is a podcast and you can only hear our voices. But if you were here in this room, you would see everyone is like making faces and nodding or smiling and like looking into the table, winking, looking into the tables. I just made a like a heart out of my my hands, like pointing it towards Macon as he was talking. I, I reached like... for a whiskey because I'm <laughs> British. <laughs> <laughs> and fine actually that's really interesting the, the critique I want to say this before we close it up the Lord Edmund character and Britishness it's like, this, this guy masturbating in the corner I just think, 
<laughs> and his face is purple. Yeah. Like, he has two uh, modes yeah. of existing. Uh, he, he, has, he has to be either a, a fixer and an organizer, or when he's when sex is happening, he can't really just full on enjoy it. No, he just has a masturbate in a corner, thinking. <laughs> he's like the facilitator. Yeah, yeah he's, really an, he's an enabler. Right? He enables them to do things. He does always wonderfully francophone <laughs> critique. Uh, like, uh, sorry, uh, this wonderful French critique of um, Brits. Of Brits, this this. Uh, do you feel offended? No, I feel like it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Would you guys recommend it? Yes. Yes. It's too important a project. To I think it's, it's still it's great. Like it's great book to write an essay on. There's so many different elements mm. you can focus on. It's and uh, have fun with it. I suppose. I think that we it's it's difficult. It can be, it could be difficult yeah. for people. And I think that mm. that's worth highlighting. Um, and I think it's difficult for a bunch of valid reasons. I think there is, yes. I think it's it has it. There are attitudes about gender and people, but I think at the same time you can engage with them. And lots of non-consensual scenes. Yes, but I found it really emancipating. Okay. For Simone. Yes, Simone. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously not. Like there is a critique of a certain uh, constraints that mm. are imposed on women. Such as um, marriage, perhaps motherhood. Chastity. Yes, and I found Simone's character really emancipated. Yeah. So, yeah, but quite a lot of rape. Well, yeah. Casually. Casually mentioned. But I was also going to say, to drop a, a pop cultural reference, that if this was a Tumblr fiction, it would come with a shitload of trigger warnings. Dear readers, dear future readers, take notion. Thank you for having listened. And I'd urge you to listen to the additional podcast where Jon Auring Grimm talks about this book in a more academic way. I recommend it. Next time we'll talk about Michelle Wolbeck's submission. It seems a good time now that the whole novelty of it has weaned off. Stay tuned and come by our shop in Copenhagen. The coffee is really bad, but our books are great and our staff knows them. 